You're listening to the Love Thy Neighborhood podcast. This type of storytelling and journalism is made possible by people just like you. So to keep this content coming to your podcast feed, head over to lovethyneighborhood.org slash podcast and donate today. Again, to support our work, head over to lovethyneighborhood.org slash podcast and donate now. You're listening to the Love That Neighborhood podcast. Today's episode, the LTN Hotline. Welcome to our corner of the urban universe. Hey, it's Jesse. I'm here in the studio with podcast producer Rachel Zabo. Hello. About a week ago, we put out word that we were going to be taking your calls. We wanted to hear your questions, questions about struggles you're having with your faith or with things going on in the culture or issues of social action. So today we're going to respond to your phone calls, your voicemails, your emails, and we're going to spend some time taking your calls. Let's do it. Check, 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 check. Okay. <gasps> Caller. Are we hooked in? All right, great. Okay. Ready? Yeah. Hey, this is uh, this is Jesse. Hey, my name is Benjamin. Hey, Benjamin. Uh, would it be okay for me just to shoot off the the question? Yeah, that'd be great. That'd uh, be great. Yeah. Wh- where, where is you... he calling from? Oh yeah, where are you calling from? Uh, Louisville, Kentucky. Oh, oh yeah, great. yeah, yeah. Well. Yeah, we are too. <laughs> <laughs> well, uh, yeah, what's what's your question? So I have a question about um, how do we as Christian engage our non-Christian friends on the topic of gender fluidity and like their preferred mm. pronouns? Mm. Mm. Yeah, good question. Yeah. Yeah, we um, we talked a little bit about that uh, a few episodes in, back. Uh... We did an episode on gender dysphoria. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I remember in that episode I talked about it and I still feel similar. Like I still feel the tension of like, um, how healthy is it that we've normalized non-gender terms for people? Like, or yeah, you know, I, I'm not sure. I, I've I've got a lot of conflict over it, but I also I will concede. And when I'm speaking to somebody, I will use their preferred pronouns because the relationship would absolutely disappear if I didn't. And the relationship to me is more important than the specific issue. And I think, too, uh, if you're speaking to a non-Christian, I I think that changes it a little bit, too, because you can't expect people who do not believe um, in Jesus, do not have Christian faith. You can't require them to hold to a standard that you have. And so I don't know that you could require them to like, well, the, the Bible says this and this, therefore I expect you to live that way. Well, they don't care because they they don't believe that, you yeah. know. And so if it's a non-Christian, yeah, I, I agree similar to Jesse in that there's the tension of like, well, if I if I don't use this this pronoun, you know, what's the cost to the relationship? But in particular with a non-Christian, I feel like that tension lessens because they're not going to hold to my standard of truth anyway. And so in order to maintain the relationship I would be more open, I think, to using their preferred pronoun if they're a non-believer. Yeah. Just because I'm I'm not going to expect them to adhere to biblical standards of gender. Yeah, yeah. Know? Yeah, they're yeah. growing up in a culture that doesn't hold to that. Yeah. Yeah. Benjamin, can I ask this question? Like is there um is there a scenario that's happened in your life recently that has brought this question to mind? Yeah, I have a cousin of mine who um is in uh, university and she just had a lot of question and just began to deconstruct on her faith because of seeing her friends that are transgender and lack of the ability to address that uh, intellectually and biblically. So just mm. wonder how do I kind of talk to her and engage her on like transgender and you know things like that. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. Mm-hmm. There's there's probably a lot of bad Christian resources out there. That's probably not too hard to find. Uh, But there are some really good resources out there. Um, 
like Preston Sprinkle is doing really good work around this topic, um, mm. and I would uh, I would definitely encourage like looking into uh, into some of his his work. Yeah, yeah. The other thing too is like you know, and this gets hard, but I say this a lot, like sexuality, and I would say you know because we're not talking specifically sexuality, we're talking gender, like right. But I think both those things are are downstream from some other issues that are going on in our life and and in terms of you know to use this word like worldview interpretation Mm -hmm. i think really what we're talking about is the nature of is jesus who he says he is do i believe that he's who he says he is if i believe he's who he says he is then how do i understand the scriptures if i understand the scriptures to be a particular way well then what is the implications of that worldview for my gender or my sexuality. So a lot of times, you know, we want to take the topic sort of head on. And I'm not saying we can't if that comes up naturally. But the the reality is we're really talking about the nature of Jesus himself and the nature of Jesus himself being determined by the nature of Scripture. And so our understanding of gender and sexuality is sort of downstream from our understanding of who Jesus is and and, uh, what the Bible is. Mm -hmm. What do you think? What are your thoughts about all that? Yeah, it's going to be one of the things I'm going to try to do more research on. But yeah, thank you for your response. Thank you. Yeah, Yeah. it's good talking with you. It's a very good question. Yeah. Yeah, have a good day. You too. Yeah. Thanks, Benjamin. Bye. Okay, Jesse, I've got a voice message here from a listener. Uh, Let me play that and see what they say. Hi, Jesse and others. My name is Jordy. I'm calling from Alberta, Canada. Just want to let you know, a friend recommended your episode on mental health, and I just loved it. And I've listened to every episode of your podcast since. So my question for you is about the spiritual realm and spiritual warfare, especially in light of your latest episode on geek culture, which I found very interesting. So I am sensitive to the spiritual realm, and I find when I try to get closer my walk with God, such as having a period of a good devotion, I often find myself being challenged in the spiritual realm and experiencing darkness or the absence of God as opposed to experiencing God's presence. Recently, I've had to throw out a lot of fantasy-related books and DVDs, yet I found it very confusing, didn't find myself closer to God, and just felt discouraged. So I just wanted to know if you could help me understand what it is God is trying to tell me. Thanks. So a couple thoughts come to mind. One of them is I I would just have a lot more questions. Yeah, I think I would want to to know some more yeah. about the specific situation and what's going on. Yeah. I fully affirm the existence and the reality of, of the spiritual realm, of spiritual warfare, of the reality that angels are at work around us, demons are at work around us. The number one question I would have, Jordy, would just be, what is the role of community in your life and what is your relationship to that community? To what extent have you found yourself able to really bond with other people? Sometimes, you know, we enjoy fantasy because it's awesome and God gave us an imagination and it's something to be enjoyed. There are also times where we enjoy fantasy because we find real relationships so difficult. We find ourselves overwhelmed with social anxiety, overwhelmed with, you know, we don't know how to how to do them. We, we just get lost in the relationships. And so I would just have questions just around that. To what extent do you personally feel that you have good, vibrant community around you that you are proactively pursuing and that are reciprocal? Yeah. So that that would be kind of my first thought that comes to mind. Yeah, I think in regards to, you know, the the spiritual realm um, Jordy, you mentioned that you've listened to our episode on mental illness, and I don't know if that is something that is a struggle for you, um, but it is for me, and I talk about that, you know, in that episode. And because of the struggles that I have with mental health, like there are times when if I'm not in a healthy place mentally, emotionally, that, yeah, I'm totally like everything is about the spiritual and everything is about like I'm envisioning demons and it's like they're oppressing me they're laughing at me and it's like this whole other like 
picture in my mind. And it is that real? I Maybe. But also, like, I think there is a correlation with, you know, struggling with mental health and kind of a hyper sensitivity to kind of spiritual realm, spiritual warfare. But I think I just say that to say, you know, that's a factor in this is kind of where, where are you at mentally, emotionally? What's your health? And for me, you know, if I find myself kind of in that, in a really, really dark place, like that's not really a time for me to kind of sit and think about this, the spiritual realm. Like that's a time for me to get out of my room and go find other people and, and be around something tangibly real, yeah. you know? And I'm not saying, you know, anyone who has a sensitivity to spirits is mentally unwell, but I'm saying there, there's a correlation there that we see often. Yeah. And, and we hold all things in balance, right? Like, cause I right. think the mistake on the other side is to say nothing is spiritual. There is no spiritual realm. And that's equally a horrible place to be because I think it denies reality. Reality is that there's a physical and there's a spiritual and that we live in the mix of those two things. As far as like, what is God trying to tell you? Uh, the answer is, I don't know. You know, I, I don't know what God is trying to tell you through all of that. I think that's something that you you just need to continue to, to wrestle with God through, spend time with him. Again, being community god speaks often through other people um and not just you know when we're in our prayer closet yeah and i would propose two things even on trying you know when we think about trying to hear the voice of god i think a lot of times we we do i do i really want god to say a specific message to me that is you know Audible would be nice, you know, but I would love to hear something that is like God is telling me a direct message. But what I find more often is God has already spoken and he's spoken through the scriptures. And the more that I sit in the scriptures, internalize the scriptures, and the more that I live them out. So not just trying to sort of hear this extra message from God, but going, Lord, you've already spoken. It's in your scriptures. And then how do I live that out faithfully, oftentimes what I find is that it actually becomes easier to hear the voice of God then mm. rather than I'm going to go, I'm going to pray, and I'm going to wait for a special particular message. Mm -hmm. um, instead, you cling to God's people, you cling to God's word, and then you move in the direction of proactive discipleship, so living it out. And I find that doing those things, that is hearing the voice of God. Yeah, so that'd be my encouragement is move towards God's people, move towards God's word and do what you can to, to walk in the lifestyle of Jesus. Yeah. So I don't know if that's helpful, Jordy. But we hope we hope so. Yeah. Good question. Thanks for calling. Yeah. Uh, okay, we got a question uh, via email. This is from uh, Renee. The title of the email is How to Love LGBT Daughter with Grace and Truth. So Renee says, I'm asking how to love my LGBT daughter with grace and truth. She was raised in church to love Jesus. We loved her dearly and did our best to show her Jesus in our own lives. She went to church camp and accepted Jesus at summer camp. Now she has come out and is in a relationship with a girl. How do I show truth in love? I really want her to be in heaven one day. Our hearts are broken. We pray and trust a good God, but we would love your help and support. Um, yeah, Renee, like as a dad myself, I, I really sympathize with uh, everything that you've just shared and just the, the pain of what we hope for our kids and then the reality of the way that it sometimes plays out and the tension that can exist between uh, what we hope for their life and the fact that they're their own person that's going to make their own choices and that gap can be really excruciating at times. Um, and I I don't think that we're the people to give all the answers on, on this one, except to say this. I think there's a couple thoughts that come to mind. The first one is that I want to remind you that as m much as you love your daughter, God loves her more. Mm -hmm. That before she's a sinner, she is loved. Like that is the truest and deepest thing about her and about who she is. 
And I just encourage you as a mom to figure out a way to really just celebrate and love your daughter and just to, to, to meet her where she is. Now, that doesn't necessarily make um, some of those dynamics easier. In fact, in a lot of ways, it makes it harder because you're going to absorb a lot of that pain. But I just encourage you just to, to really do what you can to, to love her in the way that, that God does. And remember that as much as you love her, God loves her more. Um, the second thing I would say is that it's a really hard time right now because um, culturally we've made sexuality this primary identity-defining thing. Like mm-hmm. who I am sexually attracted to and the way that my sexuality is wired, that that literally is me. And I think that just as much as non-Christians can believe that, there's a temptation for Christians to believe that as well, that our sexual activity defines who we are. And again, I'm just going to come back to uh, the gospel says that's not true. And the good news is that God loves us um, regardless of our sexuality. And part of the reason that I want to encourage you to love her well is this, is that, you know, whether it's sexuality issues or other bigger lifestyle issues, you know, in terms of her relationship to Jesus, because sexuality is downstream. It's not primary. Sexuality is downstream from other things in our life, other things that that we prioritize, other ways that we approach relationships. And the only way that she's ever going to give you an audience and the only way she's going to listen to you is if she truly actually believes that you really love her. And so if you want to be able to speak into hard issues in her life that you're concerned about, issues that you're concerned that are going to hurt her, that are sin, then I encourage you, love her very, very well because showing that grace uh, gives you an opportunity to also then uh, bring truth. Mm. Like lead with the grace. Yes. And and then bring the truth. Yes. Not the other way around. That's right. Mm. That's right. And that's a really hard thing to do as parents, especially when we see like, oh my gosh, my child is actively living, doing, saying things that are bringing harm to their life. You know, there's a real temptation as a parent, like, we want to fix that. Yeah. Um, but, uh, but man, they're, they're their own person. And so we have, to, we have to respect that. And so we want to lead with love. And loving them well then gives us the opportunity to also speak truth. Speak the truth. Yeah. yeah. The other thing I would recommend is a couple of books by Christopher Yuan. That's Y-U-A-N. The first one is his book, Out of a Far Country. The subtitle is A Gay Son's Journey to God. A Broken Mother's Search for Hope. I think that that might be a book that uh, that might resonate with you. And then the other one is his newer book, which is called Holy Sexuality and the Gospel, Sex, Desire, and Relationships Shaped by God's Grand Story. Hopefully some of those resources might just be an encouragement for you and give you just some sense of next steps uh, that you could take in your relationship with your daughter. Another resource, Renee, would be actually our episode on gender dysphoria. Um, and it's not going to be, you know, exactly the, the situation that you're in, but they, we have a story in that episode. Um, we hear from a parent who had a child who, you know, was struggling with their, their sexual identity and they actually ended up, you know, deciding to transition to the opposite gender but that parent in that episode is very raw and very real in talking about the struggle in that and talking through, you know, how they've had to learn to love their child through all that. And so that that might also be a helpful resource for you to go and listen to that episode on gender dysphoria. Yeah, thanks, Renee, for uh, for asking this question. And yeah, we hope it was helpful. All right. When we come back, we will continue to answer your questions. So stay with us. Hey, it's Anna, media editor. At the beginning of August, I talked with a few interns from our summer 2021 term who had just wrapped up their three-month-long internship where they lived, worked, and served in our city here in Louisville, Kentucky. My name is Hannah Irvisty. I'm from Alaska, and my service site this summer was media and design. Hannah told me about one of the ways she and her housemates reached out to their neighbors this summer. My housemates and I invited people over each week for dinner and having that consistency of just planning a meal and 
not knowing who we might invite over, but just making space in our time to have people come over for dinner was really impactful because over dinner you can have long conversations and it was really cool to see how that routine um, allowed us to talk to tons of different people about Jesus. If you want to find your internship or social action in Christian Community Meet, head over to lovethyneighborhood.org and apply today. That's lovethyneighborhood.org. Jesse, Rachel, Love Thy Neighborhood podcast, and we are continuing to answer your questions. Okay, I've got another question here. This is a voice message from another listener. Let's take a listen. Hey, LTN. This is Andy from Prince George, British Columbia. So my struggle right now is around the topic of the expressions of joy or soul or spirit within a Christian life. Most of my adult life, I have been a truth seeker. However, I have noticed a lack of zest for life in my life and in the church in general. Why am I jealous of Christians who lived a wayward life before coming to faith? Why is it that as Christians, we either are charismatic or reverent toward God, but not both? One adjacent area of my life that may reflect these topics is dance. I learned to ballroom, swing, and Latin social dance in university after some strong recommendations by some trusted Christian men. Dance has been shunned by the church, but why? Should not every married couple be encouraged to dance? Should not every single or dating person, especially men, not learn how to properly lead a partner? Dance is an expression of the heart, and working with others to navigate a dance floor builds community. It seems to me that the attitude towards social dance is a reflection of the attitude towards spirit-led faith traditions. The fear of falling into sin causes us to cut out something that can teach us so much about God's love. So his question, I think, is, is basically, how do you express joy and fun as a Christian? Yeah. Okay. So first, can we just acknowledge like, th- like this guy's cut like you, like you're a dancer. Oh my gosh. I love dancing yeah, so much. Yeah. You grew up, you grew yes. up being trained in dance. Yes. And here's not the funny- ballroom. No, I'm a, not little, ballroom. I'm a little jealous about that because I yeah. don't know how to ballroom very well. Here's the thing is a lot of people don't realize like, because they meet you and like, you're a fairly reserved person until the beat drops. Oh my gosh. And then like you lose your mind. <laughs> yes. Yeah. <laughs> And, uh, Dance party. and I think people too will be surprised like by your playlist, like your Spotify playlist. Uh, oh, totally. Because I think that people would think like, oh, Rachel probably listens to like slow, melancholic music. But it like, no, 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 no. It's like. Bring me the pop. Bring me the rap. Bring yep. me the hip hop. Yeah. Let's go. Yeah. Yeah. And I think like in a lot of ways, Rachel, like you sort of embody a little bit of what like he's getting at, you know, because he's talking about this tension between. Why is it that we have to choose between reverence and joy? And I feel like in a lot of ways, like the way you approach our podcast, the way you do your work, like you believe in a certain level of dignity and reverence. Yeah. And I I think that's a a message that's come through a lot of Christian culture is that it has to be one or the other. You either are reverent or you're irreverent and you're, you know, you're, you're loose and you're having fun. Yeah. And I think that is a message that's kind of permeated a lot of Christian culture, but that's unbiblical. Because if we look at Jesus, you know, Jesus did both of those things. He had fun and he was very reverent. You know, you look at he was accused of being a drunkard and a glutton because he's going out and he's eating and drinking with all these people and he's going to parties. He's at the wedding and he's like, let me make wine because there's no more wine. You know, like Jesus is having a good time. Yep. But Jesus is also, you know, getting up very early in the morning, going and spending time with the Father, praying, you know, very reverent. And so I think it's not either or, it's both and. And if we look at the life of Jesus, Jesus models this for us very well. Yeah. I'm going to tell you right now, the crowds would not have wanted to hang out with Jesus if he was just super serious all the time. And I'll tell you who else wouldn't? Kids. Like, Mm. he was notorious for, like, kids wanted to be around him, like, I don't know if you've ever been around somebody who's like really serious all the time. Kids don't want to hang out with them. Um, Kids want to hang out with the person that's going to make them laugh and who's going to be a child like them. So, yeah. So lean in. Have fun. Enjoy things. God give us a big world to experience. 
What was that study? You, you talked about this at one point. You said that you read a study that said something oh, about yeah, 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 yeah. what... Yep. Okay, it was Barna. They did this one called Households of Faith. And they looked at the different ingredients that help children grow up to become Christians themselves. Mm. And one of the ingredients that they looked at was togetherness. But a key aspect of that togetherness was we play games. Mm. And the more that the family really prioritized like having fun together, that that was a key aspect. And I think that a lot of that is because the kid goes, oh, wow, mom, dad, they're serious about their faith, but they also just have fun. They enjoy their life. They seem to embody joy. If a kid looks at an adult and goes, they're only serious all the time, that kid goes, well, that's the person I don't want to be like. The kid wants to grow up to enjoy life and have fun. Yeah. And I think about, too, you know, Paul says in Corinthians, he says, whether you eat or you drink or whatever you do, do it for the glory of God. And so, like, that's really broad. It's like, whatever you're doing, whether it's you're dancing or you're playing a sport, you're playing a game, you know, you're playing a video game, like, whatever. God is a part of that. God has given you life abundantly, and you are experiencing that abundant life by doing this thing that you're doing. And so do it enjoying God and enjoying the life that he's given you. Cool. Thanks, Andy. That was a really good question. Oh, this is interesting. Okay, so remember Jordy, and he asked us the question about the spiritual realm and the fantasy stuff and what is God telling him? Yeah. So he left us that voice message, but he also sent us an email. So you're saying Jordy wrote a follow-up email? Yeah, so Jordy kind of fleshed out his question a little bit more in this email. Oh, okay. Um, So he says, for my question, think of it in the context of the mental health episode and the geek culture episode. Yeah. When I mentioned I'm led by the Holy Spirit to throw things out, I literally will be unable to sleep unless I do it. So he's saying the Spirit is telling him, hey, you need to get rid of this thing, like the fantasy things or whatever. Right. And so then he, he gets rid of it. I'm confused why something can be fine inside my house for years, but then all of a sudden I have to get rid of it. For context, I feel there's a balance about being mindful of the media you consume and to not be watching or reading things that have a demonic or dark theme. But the reason you watch or read something and the lessons you learned from it is what's important. For example, I think Harry Potter is fine because it has a Messiah message at the end and facing evil and being strong to do the right thing. But Harry Potter is one of the things God made me throw out. Oh, that's interesting. The main crux of my question is I had to throw out my avatar, the last airbender stuff. There are spirit world elements, but I feel the show has an incredibly strong message of justice, bravery, compassion, joy, redemption, and hope. I don't understand why God overlooks all of that because of a few episodes with spiritual elements and why strong Christian friends of mine aren't allowed to watch it. I find that discouraging as this has not brought me any closer to God. Okay, so that's a totally different <laughs> question mm-hmm. than what we answered. So he, so he's saying God is telling him to throw away these geeky things that he has because of some spiritual reference, demonic reference, whatever. Yeah. Um, the first thought that comes to mind for me is, is God actually telling you that? Yeah. Are you certain that it is God himself that is telling you to do those things? And I'm not going to definitively say that it's not, but I'm saying that if I was looking at you face to face and we were having a conversation, I would have that question. Why do you know that it is God beyond a particular maybe emotional impression or particular fixation? What evidence can you look at to say definitively it is God telling me to do this? Yeah. Along those lines, I would wonder if it's if it's a matter of conscience for you and where is where does that message come from? Did you grow up in a Christian environment that was skeptical of those things? Is that are you hearing that from like Christian, you know, mainstream culture? Like where does that message of God is not okay? with these things where does that come from yeah 
The other thing that comes to mind is our friend Mike Cosper has a book called The Stories We Tell. And the basic idea in that is that, you know, Mike's actually uh, a huge, like, story geek. Um, he loves movies and TV shows and books. And the basic premise of that book is that he explores the idea that the gospel story is really embedded in all the stories that we tell. And so it gives you an ability and a framework and a way to look at other media you consume. Um, so Avatar. Uh, you can look at Avatar and you can go, what are the gospel themes that are present in this? Most of the time, you know, those stories at the end are, are about self-sacrifice. They're about uh, good overcoming evil. They're about the building of community. And so they're like echoes of the gospel story, but of course they're not the gospel story itself. But I would contend that we can enjoy those things fully. And just because something has a demonic theme or a dark theme doesn't mean that we automatically have to write it off. However, you know, Rachel, you're sensitive to really dark movies. Yeah, I, I was going to kind of add that caveat too is like, yeah, there are things that I am sensitive about. And so there are, there are some, you know, media things, books, movies, TV shows, whatever that I just don't consume. I, I don't partake of that, you know, not that there's something wrong with it, but just for me personally, like it's an issue and I know it's going to create an issue. It's going to create, you know, a stumbling in my mind. It's going to I'm going to like go down this rabbit trail and like there's going to be all kinds of issue if I, you know, watch this movie or, or whatever, you know, and so I, I stay away from those things. And so, you know, if there's something... You're like, there's enough drama in my head. I don't yeah, need, you know, Totally. Added, I don't need any help. I don't need any layer. help and that's fine. Yeah. yeah, my imagination's fine. That doesn't need <laughs> right. any help. So, yeah, if, if something like that is happening, you know, I, I'm self-aware enough to know I'm sensitive about that thing. Hey, I'm just not going to consume it because I know it's going to cause an issue. Yeah. But I, that doesn't sound like what's happening with Jordy. It doesn't sound like he has an issue with any of these things. It's just his issue is... Why is God telling me to get rid of all these things I like? Yeah. And and so I, th I would encourage you to have uh, have that conversation, you know, with a spiritual leader, with your community, maybe even with, um, you know, a mental health professional like uh, who's a Christian. Like, but talk, talk about um, find some corner where you can talk about why do I believe that God is telling me to give these specific things away mm -hmm. um, and uh, yeah, explore some of that. Yeah. Also, he, he adds a P.S. Uh, on a theoretical Marvel What If episode, in an alternate reality, I'm sure I did an internship with LTN in my early 20s. <laughs> <laughs> so great. <laughs> oh, we have another caller. Hello. Hello. Yeah. Hey, hey, this is Jesse. Awesome. Nice to meet you, Jesse. My name is Nathaniel. Hey, Nathaniel. Where where are you right now? I'm currently in uh, Lancaster, Pennsylvania. Lancaster. Not to be confused with Lancaster. Lancaster. Yeah, 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 yeah. Exactly. Lancaster. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And then I'm here with uh, Rachel Zabo also. Hi, Nathaniel. Hi. So, Nathaniel, uh, do you have a question for us? Yeah. Um, so... I saw on your Instagram page, um, just um, if I had anything that was just weighing on me, I could ask you guys. So I was going to ask, uh, what advice uh, would you give to someone who is um, having trouble, I guess, uh, living up to friends and family's expectation? Mm, that's mm -hmm. a good, that's a good question. Tell me, tell me like a specific scenario where you've experienced that recently. Yeah. Um, Recently, I serve a lot within my church, and in serving, uh, I have a lot of different people, whether that be um, younger students and adults within our congregation, kind of look at me and kind of see me as kind of a, a selfless person and a very good person. Um, they tell their kids, like, oh, you got to be like Nathaniel. You, he, he's a good guy. You got to like, be like this guy. Just look at him as an example of all the things that he does. And whenever I hear those kind of things, um, I don't know, I kind of feel a little, a little bit of pressure because even when I feel that I can be a good person at times, I still see, you know, I'm not a 
totally great guy all the time. So if they catch me doing something wrong, like I'm sure that expectation will change 180, you know? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know, you, you don't want to give like kids in the youth group cigarettes. Don't, yeah. That probably, yeah. that probably wouldn't help things. Don't do that. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um, so you're feeling, you know, all this, I don't know. It's pressure. Uh, yeah. Pressure. Yeah. And expectations. And I'm going to guess like, I don't know. Is there a positive side? Like when you hear people saying really complimentary things about you, like, is there a part that you're like, oh, that's really nice to hear. And I, I'm glad for that. Yeah, I think I'm very grateful for the times where people do say that a lot to me, but also feel like if I do something wrong, everyone's kind of watching me. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, that's what I was kind of curious about. Like, what do you think, what do you think is like the worst case scenario in this? So like, you know, you, you feel like they kind of hold you up in a nice sort of idyllic way. And then if they got to know what the, like the real you, like, what are you, what are you scared will happen? I'm scared, I guess, that people view me differently or won't think highly of me anymore if I make like maybe one mistake. So I feel that there's a lot of pressure in um, just um, how I live my life. Yeah. Do you feel like you would be letting those people down if you messed up or would you be letting yourself down if you messed up? Uh, I think I would be letting everyone down, especially myself, too. I think because people have told me and put me in high regard, I view myself in that way, too. So thinking if I ever made a mistake or did anything incorrect that was out of line. Like, for example, like I just turned 21 recently, right? And um, the concept of like me going out to like bars and drinking and socializing like that kind of seemed like like I'm not allowed to do any of that because uh if i do it's always seen in a negative light Hmm. is that something you would like to do Um, but you just feel like you can't or you shouldn't yeah in a way Hmm. yeah i know that it is something i like uh i know my friends have experienced all of my friends who turn 21 at this age uh kind of go out and uh socialize a bit more in that light and if I ever went out with them or did anything like that and someone were to see me, uh, it wouldn't be viewed in a good light. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. You've talked a little bit about how other people would view you. You've talked sort of about letting yourself down. How are you thinking about your faith and this this issue? Where do those two things intersect? Yeah, um, sometimes when I, I guess, have the, like when people compliment me, when people... I guess, view me in a higher light and I view myself in that higher light, sometimes it does feel like I idolize myself in a way that I put myself Mm. over God. Yeah. Do you ever feel that God is putting that pressure on you as well? Like, is the the viewpoints from other people, does that also translate over to how you think that God is thinking about you or, or no? I think so, too. I mean, serving in a community like this, I would love to believe that through my actions, um, God views me as uh, the same, at least, of how these people are viewing me, too. But a part of me is also a little worried because it seems, I guess, thinking about it now, like I would be more upset that other people were disappointed in me than, I guess, God. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, I'm I'm kind of just thinking about, you know, this bigger, you know, we, we keep talking about the drinking thing. The drinking thing is just like a... It's an example. It's an example, yeah. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I would imagine, you know, if you're 21, part of what's normal at the age that you are is uh, is exploring. Yeah, trying some things out. Yeah, trying things out. Mm-hmm. Part of the question, of course, is, is there room in my life or in my faith or in my friendships, in my relationships, in my family, is there room for me to be able to try things without massive consequences. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. I think that's definitely one of the big questions that I've thought about. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. Which at the end of the day, like you're in a season of life where you're asking the question at some level of like, who am I? Mm-hmm. And part of what you're coming up against is, am I just what other people think of me? Because if that's true, 
then I do have to maintain this image. I do have to maintain being very likable. I do have to maintain being a role model. I do have to maintain being, yeah, just right and good all the time. But if that's not truly who you are, who you truly are is loved by God, made right because of who Jesus is, then that's a different identity. And that identity actually presumes grace. Mm. Like it presumes God already knows anything that's coming and any mistakes that I'm going to make. And therefore, I can be courageous and brave and make choices where I don't know what the outcome is going to be. I might lose the admiration of others, but I will not ever lose the affection of God. Mm. How, I don't know. How does that strike you? Um, it's a bit scary for me because mm. I, I also view a lot. Like I said before, I view the opinion of others like really highly. If anything, it kind of like makes up who I am, what people think of me. Yeah. Letting people down is probably one of the scariest things uh, just in life for me. Yeah. Yeah, because like, um, you know, having people's admiration and feeling important to others and revered or looked up to, those things can feel like love. And mm-hmm. so when those when those things feel threatened, it's like, oh, I can't I can't do that because mm-hmm. if I do that, if I do that, I'll lose love. And if I lose love, I don't know how I'm going to function in life. Um, yeah. Is that kind of what you're getting at? Like, yeah, it's, at its heart, it feels like a threat. Like if you go out, you get into an argument with somebody and, you know, you lose yeah. your mind in the argument. You say a bunch of stupid things. Yeah. And the word gets out. It feels as though like that, like you will lose the relationships in your life, which means you will lose love, which means you will lose feeling important, feeling cared for. Valued. Valued. Yeah. 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 Mm. yeah. That's kind of what I'm getting at. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Uh, Rachel can fix your problem. Uh, can't you, Rachel? <laughs> can you fix this, Rachel? <laughs> can't fix this. I can fix it. <laughs> it's called get counseling. That's <laughs> my answer to everything. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I do think like you've already alluded to, I don't know if, I don't know if you've said this word. I don't mean it in a judgmental way. I just mean it in, th- in terms of the way you've talked about it, but like being being admired by others and being really important to other people is probably occupying an idle space. Like, because it feels as though if I lose admiration or I lose importance, I will cease to exist. Any value that I bring to the world is gone. Anytime that something is like that big, that important, you know, it's in a space. And I, and the reason I was reluctant to say idols because I don't want to say it from a perspective of judgment mm. think of it more, almost more like i'm saying it functionally like whenever something kind of crawls into a space where we're like i have to have this thing mm. like we are functionally saying in my body in my lived experience like i if i don't have this thing my life's really going to go off the rails and uh yeah i'm just wondering about like what would it look like for you to believe that god delights in you and god loves you and god sees you and god understands you and mm-hmm. god is he dotes over you. And he has grace for he you. He has grace for you. Like So I'm just wondering, like, what would it look like for you to really, truly believe God the Father loves me and delights in me and celebrates me, and his opinion is the one that counts far more than everybody else? It's hmm. a good question. <laughs> yeah. And yeah. I mean, that's that's something that takes a lifetime to kind of unpack. You know, mm-hmm. I think we're we're all kind of on that journey of unpacking. What does it mean for me to truly believe that God delights in me, that God has grace for me, that God is for me all the time? Like, that's not something that we, you're going to wake up tomorrow and be like, oh, now it's better. <laughs> yeah. Like, yeah. Yeah. Those those are questions that, that you can carry with you for a long time and, and journey through that for sure. Yeah. The other thing, too, is I would say, like, you're already practicing right now. Like, the very fact that you were this honest with us. Yeah. Like, my encouragement would be, like, find, you know, find a couple of folks in your life that you're like, all right, here's the unedited me. Like, here's the version of me that's not not trying to people please. I'm not on a stage. I'm not trying to impress anybody. Like, I'm going to bring my confused self that's trying out some new things. I'm going to show up for these relationships in that way. Like... 
it might be true that the community you're in may not respond well, you know, if you mm. do certain things, but can you find a handful of folks that allow you the freedom to start, you know, test driving new things? Mm. Yeah, I think I might be able to think of a few. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know. Does, is that helpful, Nathaniel? Yeah, I think so. Well, I do feel a bit more encouraged. I appreciate you guys talking with me. Just taking some time out of your day just to give me some advice. Yeah, well, it's yeah, our pleasure. Thanks absolutely. for calling and talking with us. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, great question. Thanks for being vulnerable. Yeah. I'll see you guys. Thank <laughs> you guys. Yeah, take care. Yeah, yeah, take care. Bye, Nathaniel. Bye. All right, here's another question coming via voice message. Hi, I'm Gianna from Minnesota, and I am wondering if you have any suggestions on how to narrow in on who you want to help, who I want to help. Hurting people are what gets me, like gives me purpose. Like I want to help hurting people, and there's hurting people as in refugees, immigrants, um, minority communities, unplanned pregnancy moms and babies, right? Like um, there's the poor, there's those being abused. Like there's just so, so, so much. What are some practical steps in like putting what your passion is and your skills and gifts together to find your sweet spot? That's a really good question. And I think that's like the question that so many of us deal with at different times in life. Yeah, because I think here's the thing for me anyway, is that with social media, there's so much information right. that you're getting all the time. It's like, care about this cause. No care about this cause. No mm-hmm. care about this thing. And it's yep. like, I can't care about all the things. Yep. Which one should I care about? Yeah, yeah. You know, there's a couple of thoughts that come to mind. One of them is that I'm always interested when I sit down with somebody and talk with them. I'm always curious about the intersection between their greatest pain point in their own life and the needs of the world. Another way of maybe saying that is um, the intersection between your life story and the needs of the world. And so is there something that is in the story of your life that's a particularly hard thing, a challenging thing? And through the years, God has brought some healing or has brought some growth. Maybe you're still on that journey, but it's an area that really matters to you. Is that an opportunity to perhaps help other people? So I would always say just be curious about your own life story and in particular the areas of, of pain for you. Yeah, I think that's uh, that's a really good advice. I mean, that's kind of like why I got involved in working with the homeless population is there was a lot of um, hurt and pain regarding like a, a story with my brother and I it really made me care about like outcast people. And then it, you know, brought me into working with the homeless population for several years. So I think that's a really good point. I think I would add to that also, just like on a practical level, like what is available in your community? What are the things that you can step into? Is there a crisis pregnancy, you know, center in your community where you can volunteer? Is there a homeless shelter or a mission where you can volunteer just on a practical level? what is available where you are and just step into that because God has put you where you are for a reason. So look around and see, well, what are the actual opportunities that are around me that I can step into? Yeah, I think that's spot on. I think sometimes we have these ambitions because of social media or because of books we read or movies we watch. We just feel this compulsion to help with these things that are really far away and maybe they're not ours. So I think knowing the difference between what can be in your circle of concern and your circle of responsibility. Yeah. We aren't responsible for all the pains of the world. Like even Jesus kept his geographic responsibility relatively small. Um, And I think that we need to be responsive to those needs that are in front of us. But we don't always need to feel the compulsion to fix everything and and be pulled out, uh, you know, into every situation. One other thing I I would direct you to is we released a free giveaway last year called the Quarter Life Roadmap. Part of what we explore in the Quarter Life Roadmap is this question of needing a compass. Like, 
what is it that we are being drawn towards? What is it that we're moving toward? How do we make decisions that ensure that we are moving towards uh, the world's needs? And there's a section in there that has just a bunch of different questions. So questions like, what people or causes do you naturally find yourself drawn to? Uh, who are you most passionate about helping? What causes the people you care about the most pain or frustration? And how could your interests help the people you care about serving? And I think that answering those questions helps us begin to narrow down where to focus. My final piece of advice would just be this. Choose one of those things, just one, and just stick with it. For like six months or a year, that's your thing. You're just going to invest in the one thing. Instead of going wide and shallow, you're going to go narrow and you're going to go deep. And I think that by doing that, even if you don't end up ultimately going, that was my calling in life, there's no doubt that whatever you commit yourself to, it's going to shape you. God's going to work through that to shape you. But also you're going to have a real impact on the lives of, of hurting people. So, Jana, great question. I think that's a question that a lot of us uh, wrestle with at different times. And so hopefully some of that helps. All right. That concludes today's listener questions. The hotline is now closed. The hotline is now a cold line. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> <laughs> but seriously, like, that was fun. I enjoyed that. Yeah, it was fun. And everybody that asked us a question, seriously, we really hope that you found this episode, these answers, these responses to be helpful as you follow Jesus in today's culture and context. Stay faithful. Stay with it. If you've benefited at all from this podcast, please help us out by leaving a review wherever it is that you listen to podcasts. Your review will help other people discover our show. Special thanks to our listeners who called in. Be on the lookout because we will do this again sometime in the future. Our senior producer and host is Jesse Eubanks. Our co-host today is Rachel Zabo, who is also our media director and producer, and who I caught online the other day ranting in a men's group on Facebook. Should not every married couple be encouraged to dance? Anna Tran is our audio engineer. Music for today's episode comes from Lee Rosevere and Blue Dot Sessions. Theme music and commercial music by Murphy DX. Apply for your social action internship supported by Christian Community by visiting lovethyneighborhood.org. You can serve for a summer or for a year. You'll grow in your faith as well as your life skills. Learn more at lovethyneighborhood.org. Which of these was a neighbor to the man in need? The one who showed mercy. Jesus tells us, go and do likewise. <laughs>